Chapters 25 and 26 of Stories from Virgil. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stories from Virgil by Alfred J. Church. Chapters 25 and 26. Chapter 25 The Broken Treaty. Prince Turnus, seeing that the Latins had fled in the battle, and that men looked to him that he should perform that which he had promised, even to meet Aeneas face to face, was filled with rage even as a lion which a hunter hath wounded breaketh the arrow wherewith he hath been stricken and rouseth himself to battle shaking his mane and roaring so turnus arose and first he spake to king latinus saying not for me my father shall these cowards of troy go back from that which they have covenanted i will meet this man face to face and slay him while ye look on or if the gods will that he vanquish me so he shall rule over you and have lavinia to wife but King Latinus made answer, Yet think a while, my son. Thou hast the kingdom of thy father Donus, and there are other noble virgins in Latium whom thou mayest have to wife. Wilt thou not then be content? For to give my daughter to any husband of this nation I was forbidden, as thou knowest. Yet did I disobey, being moved by love of thee, my wife also beseeching me with many tears. Thou seest what troubles I and my people, and thou more than all, have suffered from that time. Twice have we fled in the battle, and now the city only is left to us. If I must yield me to these men, let me yield whilst thou art yet alive. For what doth it profit me that thou shouldst die? Nay, but all men would cry shame on me if I gave thee to death. Now. For a space Turnus spake not for wrath. Then he said, Be not troubled for me, my father, for I too can smite with the spear. And as for this Aeneas, his mother will not be at hand to snatch him in a cloud from my sight. Then Amata cried to him, saying, Fight not. I beseech thee with these men of Troy, my son, for surely what thou sufferest I also shall suffer. Nor will I live to see Aeneas my son-in-law and Lavinia heard the voice of her mother, and wept. As a man stains ivory with crimson, or as roses are seen mixed with lilies, even so the virgin's face burned with crimson, and Turnus, regarding her, loved her exceedingly, and made answer, Trouble me not with tears or idle words, my mother, for to this battle I must go, and do thou, Idmon the herald, say to the Phrygian king, To-morrow when the sun shall rise, let the people have peace, but we two will fight together, and let him that prevaileth have Lavinia to wife. Then first he went to the stalls of his horses. The wife of the north wind gave them to Pilumnus. Whiter than snow were they, and swifter than the wind. Then he put the coat of mail about his shoulders, and fitted a helmet on his head, and took the great sword which Vulcan had made for Donus his father, and had dipped it when it was white-hot in the river of Styx. His spear also he took where it stood against a pillar, saying, Serve me well, my spear, that hast never failed me before, that I may lay low this womanish robber of Phrygia, and soil with dust his curled and perfumed hair. The next day the men of Italy and the men of Troy measured out a space for the battle, and in the midst they builded an altar of turf, and the two armies sat on the one side and on the other, having fixed their spears in the earth and laid down their shields. Also the women and the old men stood on the towers and roofs of the city, that they might see the fight. But Queen Juno spake to Juturna, the sister of Turnus, saying, 
Seest thou how these two are now about to fight face to face? And indeed Turnus goeth to his death. As for me, I endure not to look upon this covenant or this battle. But if thou canst do aught for thy brother, lo, the time is at hand. And when the nymph wept and beat her breast, Juno said, This is no time for tears. Save thy brother, if thou canst, from death, or cause that they break this covenant. After this came the kings, that they might make the covenant together. And King Latinus rode in a chariot with four horses, and he had on his head a crown with twelve rays of gold, for he was of the race of the sun. And Turnus came in a chariot with two white horses, having a javelin in either hand. And Aeneas had donned the arms which Vulcan had made, and with him was the young Iulus. And after due offering Aeneas sware, calling on all the gods, If the victory shall fall this day to Turnus, the men of Troy shall depart to the city of Evander, nor trouble this land any more. But if it fall to me, I will not that the Latins should serve the men of Troy. Let the nations be equal one with the other. The gods that I bring we will worship together, but King Latinus shall reign as before. A new city shall the men of Troy build for me, and Lavinia shall call it after her own name. Then King Latinus swear, calling on the gods that are above and the gods that are below, saying, This covenant shall stand for ever, whatsoever may befall. As sure as this sceptre which I bear, once it was a tree, but a cunning workman closed it in bronze, to be the glory of Latium's kings, shall never again bear twig or leaf, so surely shall this covenant be kept. But the thing pleased not the Latins, for before, indeed, they judged that the battle would not be equal between the two. And now were they the more assured, seeing them when they came together, and that Turnus walked with eyes cast to the ground, and was pale and wan. Wherefore there arose a murmuring among the people, which, when Juturna perceived, she took upon herself the likeness of Camers, who was a prince and a great warrior among them, and passed through the host, saying, Are ye not ashamed, men of Italy, that one man should do battle for you all? For count these men, surely they are scarce one against two, and if he be vanquished, what shame for you! As for him, indeed, though he die, yet shall his glory reach to the heavens. But ye shall suffer disgrace, serving these strangers for ever. And when she saw that the people were moved, she gave also a sign from heaven, for lo, an eagle that drave a crowd of sea-fowl before him, swooped down to the water, and caught a great swan. And even while the Italians looked, the birds that before had fled turned and pursued the eagle, and drave him before them, so that he dropped the swan, and fled away. Which thing, when the Italians perceived, they shouted, and made them ready for battle. And the augur, Tolumnius, cried, This is the token that I have looked for, for this eagle is the stranger, and ye are the birds which before indeed have fled, but shall now make him to flee. And he ran forward, and cast his spear, smiting a man of Arcadia below the belt, upon the groin. One of nine brothers was he, sons of a Tuscan mother. But their father was a Greek, and they, when they saw him slain, caught swords and spears, and ran forward. And straightway the battle was begun. First they brake down the altars, that they might make firebrands therefrom, and King Latinus fled from the place. Then did Messapus drive his horses against King Olestes of Mantua, who, being fain to fly, stumbled upon the altar, and fell headlong on the ground. And Messapus smote him with a spear that was like a weaver's beam, saying, 
this of a truth is worthier victim after this corinius the arcadian when ibyssus would have smitten him snatched a brand from the altar and set fire to the beard of the man and before he came to himself caught him by the hair and thrusting him to the ground so slew him and when podalerius pursued alsus the shepherd and now held his sword over him ready to strike the other turned and with a battle-axe cleft the man's head from forehead to chin but all the while the righteous aeneas having his head bare and holding neither spear nor sword cried to the people what seek ye what madness is this the covenant is established and i only have the right to do battle but even while he spake an arrow smote him wounding him but who let it fly no man knoweth for who of a truth would boast that he had wounded aeneas and he departed from the battle chapter twenty six the death of turnus now when turnus saw that aeneas had departed from the battle he called for his chariot and when he had mounted thereon he drave it through the host of the enemy slaying many valiant heroes as sthenelus and pholus and the two sons of imbrasus the lycian glaucus and ladies then he saw eumedes son of that dolon who would have spied out the camp of the greeks asking as his reward the horses of achilles but diomed slew him turnus smote with a javelin from afar and when he fell came near and put his foot upon him and taking his sword drave it into his neck saying lo now thou hast the land which thou soughtest lie there and measure out italy for thyself many others he slew for the army fled before him yet did one man phegeus by name stand against him and would have stayed the chariot catching the bridles of the horses in his hand but as he clung to the yoke and was dragged along turnus broke his cuirass with his spear and wounded him and when the man set his shield before him and made at turnus with his sword the wheels dashed him to the ground and turnus struck him between the helmet and the breastplate and smote off his head but in the meanwhile menestheus and achates and iulus led aeneas to the camp leaning on his spear very wrath was he and strove to draw forth the arrow and when he could not he commanded that they should open the wound with the knife and so send him back to the battle iapis also the physician ministered to him now this iapis was dearer than all other men to apollo and when the god would have given him all his arts even prophecy and music and archery he chose rather to know the virtues of herbs and the art of healing that so he might prolong the life of his father who was even ready to die this iapis then having his garments girt about him in healer's fashion would have drawn forth the arrow with the pincers but could not and while he strove the battle came nearer and the sky was hidden by clouds of dust and javelins fell thick into the camp but when venus saw how grievously her son was troubled she brought from ida which is a mountain of crete the herb dittany a hairy stalk it hath and a purple flower the wild goats know it well if so be that they have been wounded by arrows this then venus having hidden her face brought and dipped into the water and sprinkled there with ambrosia and sweet-smelling panacea and iapis unawares applied the water that had been healed and lo the pain was stayed and the blood was staunched and the arrow came forth though no man drew it and aeneas's strength came back to him as before then said iapis art of mine hath not healed thee my son the gods call thee to thy work then did aeneas arm himself again and when he had kissed iulus and bidden him farewell 
he went forth to the battle, and all the chiefs went with him, and the men of Troy took courage and drave back the Latins. Then befell a great slaughter, for Gaius slew Euphens, who was the leader of the Equians. Also Tolumnius, the great augur, was slain, who had first broken the covenant, slaying a man with his spear. But Aeneas deigned not to turn his hand against any man, seeking only for Turnus, that he might fight with him. But when the nymph Juturna perceived this she was sore afraid. Therefore she came near to the chariot of her brother, and thrust out Metiscus, his charioteer, where he held the reins, and herself stood in his room, having made herself like to him in shape and voice. Then, as a swallow flies through the halls and arcades of some rich man's house, seeking food for its young, so Juturna drave the chariot of her brother hither and thither, and ever Aeneas followed behind, and called to him that he should stay. But whenever he espied the man, and would have overtaken him by running, then again did Juturna turn the horses about and flee. And as he sped, Messippus cast a spear at him. But Aeneas saw it coming, and put his shield over him, resting on his knee. Yet did the spear smite him on the helmet-top, and shear off the crest. Then indeed was his wrath kindled, and he rushed into the army of the enemy, slaying many as he went. Then was there a great slaughter made on this side and on that. But after a while Venus put it into the heart of Aeneas that he should lead his army against the city. Therefore he called together the chiefs, and, standing in the midst of them on a mound, spake, saying, Hearken now to my words, and delay not to fulfil them for of a truth Jupiter is on our side. I am purposed this day to lay this city of Latinus, even with the ground, if they still refuse to obey. For why should I wait for Turnus till it please him to meet me in battle? Then did the whole array make for the walls of the city, and some carried firebrands, and some scaling-ladders, and some slew the warders at the gates, and cast javelins at them who stood on the walls. And then there arose a great strife in the city, for some would have opened the gates that the men of Troy might enter, and others made haste to defend the walls. Hither and thither did they run with much tumult, even as bees in a hive in a rock which a shepherd hath filled with smoke, having first shut all the doors thereof. Then also did other ill fortune befall the Latins, for when Queen Amata saw from the roof of the palace that the enemy were come near to the walls, and saw not anywhere the army of the Latins, she supposed Turnus to have fallen in the battle. Whereupon, crying out that she was the cause of all these woes, she made a noose of the purple garment wherewith she was clad, and hanged herself from a beam of the roof. Then did lamentation go through the city, for the women wailed and tore their hair, and King Latinus rent his clothes, and threw dust upon his head. But the cry that went up from the city came to the ears of Turnus where he fought in the furthest part of the plain, and he caught the reins, and said, What meaneth this sound of trouble and wailing that I hear? And the false Metiscus, who was in truth his sister, made answer, Let us fight, O Turnus, here where the gods give us victory. There are enough to defend the city. But Turnus spake, saying, Nay, my sister, for who thou art I have known even from the beginning, it must not be so. Why camest thou down from heaven? Was it to see thy brother die? And now what shall I do? Have I not seen Morenus die, and Euphens the Equian? And shall I suffer this city to be destroyed? Shall this land see Turnus flee before his enemies? Be ye kind to me, O gods of the dead, seeing that the gods of heaven hate me, 
I come down to you a righteous spirit, and not unworthy of my fathers. And even as he spake came Sases, riding on a horse that was covered with foam, and on his face was the wound of an arrow, and he cried, O Turnus, our last hopes are in thee, for Aeneas is about to destroy the city, and the firebrands are cast upon the roofs, and King Latinus is sore tried with doubt, and the queen hath laid hands upon herself, and is dead, and now only Messapus and Atinus maintain the battle, and the fight grows fierce around them, while thou drivest thy chariot about these empty fields. Then for a while Turnus stood speechless, and shame and grief and madness were in his soul, and he looked to the city, and, lo, the fire went up, even to the top of the tower which he himself had builded upon the walls, to be a defence against the enemy. And when he saw it, he cried, It is enough, my sister. I go whither the gods call me. I will meet with Aeneas face to face, and endure my doom. And as he spake he leapt down from his chariot, and ran across the plain, till he came near to the city, even where the blood was deepest upon the earth, and the arrows were thickest in the air. And he beckoned with the hand, and called to the Italians, saying, Stay now your arrows, I am come to fight this battle for you all. And when they heard it they left a space in the midst. Aeneas also, when he heard the name of Turnus, left attacking the city, and came to meet him, mighty as Athos, or Eryx, or Father Apenninus, that raiseth his snowy head to the heavens. And the men of Troy and the Latins and King Latinus marvelled to see them, so mighty were they. First they cast their spears at each other, and then ran together, and their shields struck one against the other with a crash that went up to the sky, and Jupiter held the balance in heaven, weighing their doom. Then Turnus, rising to the stroke, smote fiercely with his sword. And the men of Troy and the Latins cried out when they saw him strike, but the treacherous sword brake in the blow and when he saw the empty hilt in his hand he turned to flee. They say that when he mounted his chariot that day to enter the battle, not heeding the matter in his haste, he left his father's sword behind him, and took the sword of Metiscus, which indeed served him well while the men of Troy fled before him, but brake even as ice-breaks when it came to the shield which Vulcan had made. Thereupon Turnus fled, and Aeneas, though the wound which the arrow had made hindered him, pursued even as a hound follows a stag that is penned within some narrow space, for the beast flies hither and thither, and the staunch Umbrian hound follows close upon him, and almost holds him, and snaps his teeth, yet bites him not, so did Aeneas follow hard on Turnus, and still Turnus cried out, that some one should give him his sword, and Aeneas threatened that he would destroy the city if any should help him. Five times about the space they ran, not for some prize they strove, but for the life of Turnus. Now there stood in the plain the stump of a wild olive-tree. The tree was sacred to Faunus, but the men of Troy had cut it, and the stump only was left. Herein the spear of Aeneas was fixed, and now he would have drawn it forth that he might slay Turnus therewith, seeing that he could not overtake him by running. Which when Turnus perceived he cried to Faunus, saying, O Faunus, if I have kept holy for thee that which the men of Troy have profaned, Hold fast this spear. And the god heard him, nor could Aeneas draw it forth. But while he strove, Juturna, taking again the form of Metiscus, ran and gave to Turnus his sword. And Venus, perceiving it, wrenched forth the spear from the stump. So the two stood again face to face. 
Then spake Jupiter to Juno, where she sat in a cloud watching the battle. How long wilt thou fight against fate? What purpose hast thou now in thy heart? Was it well that Juturna, for what could she avail without thy help, should give back to Turnus his sword? Thou hast driven the men of Troy over land and sea, kindled a dreadful war, and mingled the song of marriage with mourning. Further thou mayest not go. And Juno humbly made her answer, This is thy will, great father, else had I not sat here, but stood in the battle smiting the men of Troy. And indeed I spake to Juturna that she should help her brother, but aught else I know not. And now I yield. Yet grant me this, suffer not that the Latins should be called after the name of Troy, nor change their speech nor their garb. Let Rome rule the world, but let Troy perish for ever. Then spake with a smile the Maker of all things, Truly, thou art a daughter of Saturn, so fierce is the wrath of thy soul. And now what thou prayest I give, the Italians shall not change name, nor speech, nor garb. The men of Troy shall mingle with them, and I will give them a new worship, and call them all Latins, nor shall any race pay thee more honour than they. Then Jupiter sent a fury from the pit and she took the form of a bird, even of an owl that sitteth by night on the roof of a desolate house, and flew before the face of Turnus, and flapped her wings against his shield. Then was Turnus stricken with great fear, so that his hair stood up, and his tongue clave to the roof of his mouth. And when Juturna knew the sound of the false bird, what it was, she cried aloud for fear, and left her brother, and fled, hiding herself in the river of Tiber. But Aeneas came on, shaking his spear that was like unto a tree, and said, Why delayest thou, O Turnus? Why drawest thou back? Fly now, if thou canst, through the air, or hide thyself in the earth. And Turnus made answer, I fear not thy threats, but the gods and Jupiter that are against me this day. And as he spake he saw a great stone which lay hard by, the landmark of a field. Scarce could twelve chosen men, such as men are now, lift it on their shoulders. This he caught from the earth, and cast it at his enemy, running forward as he cast. But he knew not, so troubled was he in his soul, that he ran, or that he cast, for his knees tottered beneath him, and his blood grew cold with fear. And the stone fell short, nor reached the mark. Even as in a dream, when dull sleep is on the eyes of a man, he would fain run, but cannot, for his strength faileth him, neither cometh there any voice when he would speak. So it fared with Turnus. For he looked to the Latins, and to the city, and saw the dreadful spear approach, nor knew how he might fly, neither how he might fight, and could not spy anywhere his chariot or his sister. And all the while Aeneas shook his spear, and waited that his aim should be sure. And at the last he threw it with all his might, even as a whirlwind it flew, and brake through the seven folds of the shield, and pierced the thigh. And Turnus dropped with his knee bent to the ground, and all the Latins groaned aloud to see him fall. Then he entreated Aeneas, saying, I have deserved my fate. Take thou that which thou hast won. Yet perchance thou mayest have pity on the old man, my father, even Donus, for such an one was thy father Anchises, and give me back to my own people, if it be but my body that thou givest. Yet hast thou conquered, and the Latins have seen me beg my life of thee, and Lavinia is thine. Therefore, I pray thee, stay now thy wrath. Then for a while Aeneas stood doubting, I and might have spared the man, when, lo, he spied upon his shoulders 
the belt of Pallas, whom he had slain, and his wrath was greatly kindled, and he cried with a dreadful voice, Shalt thou who art clothed with the spoils of my friends escape me? Tis Pallas slays thee with this wound, and takes vengeance on thy accursed blood. And as he spake he drave the steel into his breast, and with a groan the wrathful spirit passed into darkness. End of chapters 25 and 26 And end of Stories from Virgil Recording by Bill Borst